Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 5th, 2012. I will start off by advising people to make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website because there's so many free audios for download which goes through the big system that you're living in today. It explains why you're going through the big changes today. Even the, the term, of course, uh, um, you know, change is good and all that kind of stuff. The century of change is what they call it in academia and have for the last 50 years. The 21st century was to be the century of change. The changes that they planned for over 100 years, actually, to bring in this kind of utopia for themselves at the top where they'll simply bypass democracy, keep the, the, the scam going for as long as they can. And, but still bypass it and use technocrats to, to really appoint, to work everything for the public. Uh, and really, well, not, not, not for the public, for the guys at the top who rule the world, really, for the guys with the cash, etc. Because, uh, a long time ago, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal of International Affairs, they decided to basically form a system with very rich men who would form private banks, central banks, and all these central banks would then come under the auspices of the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland, and that was why they would rule, from where they would rule the world. And it's all happening right now. It's happened in Europe that, that the great crash that they caused in Europe again with all these massive bailouts into black holes it accomplished quite a few things. One was to impoverish the public even further into debt forever. They'll never pay off any debt. It can't be done. And so they're under the, the, the power of the central bank, which is uh, then amalgamated to the rest of the central banks and the EU big bank for the whole of Europe too, and they're under the Bank for International Settlements. So big plans can be made to, to come into fruition if you have all the cash and you run the money across the world and you have secret meetings across the planet too all the time. And, and when you can also put in your own prime ministers and presidents as well, because everyone is a member of this organization. Everyone. And I keep saying you've got to read Carol Quigley's Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American establishment to understand the system, where it's going. They don't believe in democracy. They believe the people at the bottom are the sort of leftovers from evolution, the kind of Darwinian evolution. And you're okay in factories when you have them, but if you don't have them, tough luck, you should just starve to death. And I'm not kidding about that. That's literally how they, they think about the general population. Uh, they believe they're evolving still, and they believe their children will go further into the next step of so-called evolution and help run the world much easier. That's quite nasty. We don't get taught this in school, naturally, because the school is part of your indoctrination training. And you can't really take further indoctrination and propaganda unless you've had that initial indoctrination at school. It opens you up. Uh, there's a lot of triggers put in you that opens you up to the next indoctrinations you get uh, right through life, in fact. Now, what I do is um, documentary what we're going through now, as I say, and to go back to the past to find the books and the various um, 
length, lengthy documents they signed at the United Nations a long time ago to show you that this, everything we talk about is planned. Everything. Nothing is missed. The whole culture industry is part of it too, as long, along with the media. And the news, of course, is all owned as well by the big barons who are members of the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission and the Bilderbergers and all these guys. You must always centralize control of information. So if you like what you see, you can keep me going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Don't forget, too, that from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use a personal check or an international postal money order. And you can send cash or... PayPal, across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back, carrying through the matrix, and a few years ago, I put up a video uh, that someone sent me, it was called Fire Water, and someone sent me again, so I'll put this back up again, because it's quite good, it's, it's about Australia's uh, fluoridation process, and how they literally poison lots and lots of people, and all the side effects from it too, so it's called Fire Water, and I'll, I'll put the link up for that tonight, and... It's interesting, too, that The Guardian that always plays the champion, it's probably owned by the MI5 or something, but it plays the champion for the general public. Uh, and uh, usually, other times they're hammering the public. If, if you went, went through with all their agendas, they'd, they'd have you living in a form of communism under the bankers much, much quicker, actually. And um, But remember, all sides are run by the same bunch. They don't wait till they get a real grassroots movement. They must always give you leaders first and you follow them. That's what they've always done in Britain. It says the medieval unaccountable corporation of London is ripe for protest. And it's that uh, George Monbiot that's uh, writing it. He's gone back and forth all the time with his thing on global warming. In the dark heart of Britain, the place where democracy goes to die, immensely powerful, equally unaccountable, but I doubt that one in ten British people have any idea of what the corporation of the City of London is and how it works. Yes, we do, because there's quite some good books out about it, in fact. One's just called The City. This could be about to change. Alongside the Church of England, the corporation is seeking to evict the protesters camped outside Paul's Cathedral. It says the protesters in turn have demanded that it submit to national oversight and control. What is this thing? Ostensibly, it's equivalent of a local council. That's what the city of London is, that city. Responsible for a small area of London known as the Square Mile. And that's when you're standing on the square, of course. But as its website boasts, among local authorities, the city of London is unique. You bet it is. There are 25 electoral awards, uh, wards in the square mile, and four of them, 9,000 people live, who live with its, in its boundaries are permitted to vote. In the 20, remaining 21, the votes are controlled by corporations, mostly banks and other financial companies. The bigger the business, the bigger the votes. A company with 10 workers gets two votes. The biggest employers, 79. It's not the workers who decide how their votes are cast, but the bosses who appoint the voters. Plutocracy, pure and simple. That existed all over London at one point, actually, and all over England at one point, where landowners who owned, you know, huge streets and streets of houses, 
uh, could put down their tenants' names. They were allowed by law to put down their tenants to vote, and they'd vote that the landlord did all the voting. The, the tenants themselves couldn't vote, though. It says there are four layers of elected representatives in the corporation, common, councilmen, aldermen, sheriffs, and the Lord Mayor. To qualify for any of these offices, you must be a freeman of the City of London. To become a freeman, you must be approved by an alderman. You're most likely to qualify if you belong to one of the city livery companies, medieval guilds such as a worshipful company of costermongers, uh, cat purses, and safe trackers. To become a sheriff, you must be elected from amongst the aldermen by the livery. How do you join a livery company? Don't even ask. And it says, to become a Lord Mayor, you must first have served as alderman and sheriff, and you must command the support and have the endorsement of the court of aldermen and livery, blah, blah, blah. So he repeats that again. He says, you should also be stinking rich as a Lord Mayor is expected to make a contribution from his or her private resources towards the cost of the mayoral year. This is, in other words, an official old boys network. This is all that Tory huffing and puffing about democratic failings within the trade unions uh, then think of their resounding silence about democracy within the city of London. The current Lord Mayor, Michael Baer, came to prominence with the city as chief executive of the Spitalfields Development Group, which oversaw a controversial business venture in which the corporation had a major stake even though the project lies outside the boundaries of its authority. These guilds in Britain really were huge, and they still exist, actually. Some of the big ones in Bristol's got a huge one. There's a good documentary out on that one. They show you their, this massive building with all of its uh, illustrious hangings from the wall, and you're supposed to be awfully impressed by it, but they have still got wield awful power today because they put the mirrors in themselves. You see? This is what they call democracy in Britain. This is the Lord Mayor's role, the corporation's website tells us, to open doors at the highest levels for business, in the course of which he expounds the values of liberalisation. Liberalisation is what bankers call deregulation, the process that caused the financial crash. In other words, no oversight in all investments in the stock market. The corporation boasts that it handles issues in Parliament of special interest to the city, such as banking reform and financial services regulation, it also conducts extensive partnership work with think tanks. See, it's all CFR, you understand, Royal Institute of International Affairs. They all separately form the whole. That's how it works. As Nicholas Shaxon explains in his fascinating book, Treasure Islands, the corporation exists outside many of the laws and democratic controls which govern the rest of the United Kingdom. The democratic controls are getting tasered or shot, I think. The City of London is the only part of Britain over which Parliament has no authority. In one respect, at least the corporation acts as a superior body and imposes an, on the House of Commons a figure called the Remembrancer. That's, that's official title. So he's appointed to the, to the, to the Parliament there, the Remembrancer. An official lobbyist who sits behind the Speaker's chair and ensures that whenever elected representatives might think, the city's rights and privileges are protected. The Mayor of London's mandate stops at the boundaries of the square mile. There are, as if in a, a novel by China uh, Mayvel, this is two cities, one of which must, must, must unsee the other. Unsee the other, it says. So it was on a bit more of its histories, its cash laundering and all the rest of it and the usual stuff. But uh, every there's, there's, more, there's more cities than that uh, got these similar kind of things going on, of course, across the world. Because guess who gave them to across the world? Uh, the city of London.
Now, as they hype up the cost of postage and so on for, for letter post, and you better not want to see the day when it's gone, believe you me, because you have nothing left then. It takes them a lot more staff to open all your letters than it does to, to watch on the internet, the whole town on the internet for that matter. It says, Australia's post uh, personal delivery service has been pretty much wiped out by the internet. Email, mobile, phone, texting and so on. A fascinating race has begun between the Australian Post Office and a joint venture between the Melbourne-based listed share registry manager and corporate communications group, Computer Share, 40%. It says, the listed business communications specialist, Salmat, 40%, and a U.S. digital mail technology startup called Zumbox. Last month, they both announced their intentions to launch a digital mailbox for all Australians that will function as a one-stop digital manager for confidential communication and transactions. So he said they're a private bunch going to deal, just like the cloud group, uh, same sort of thing. They want to, to have total control. No doubt it'll get, uh, and it'll be the Australian government that will appoint them to do it. You know. Last month, they both announced their intentions to launch the mailbox for all Australians. And it all functions, it says, a one-stop uh, digital manager. It's an intriguing business idea and might be a category killer worth billions of dollars, but there's probably only going to be one winner in a market as small as Australia. And after Australia's post-announcement overnight that the largest listed U.S. group, Pitney Bowes, will be its digital mail technology partner, that's a big company, Pitney Bowes, uh, the battle lines are drawn. So it says the concept of the digital mailbox is simple. Instead of having an array of sites to visit and a list of passwords and codes, remember, consumers can have a single logon that accesses a new online mailbox that can, can collect the same material that's coming to them in a steady stream on emails and envelopes with Windows. So one company will all have all your, your important mail come through it. It's all for your, you know, you don't want to be bothered with these emails. No, you don't want that. You want somebody to do it for you so they can have all your data. And you won't mind anyway, so I'll skip this one. <laughs> Folks don't mind. They don't mind who reads this stuff. Now, when things happen suddenly, fairly suddenly, but suddenly I mean 10, 20 years, even 30 years, on a huge scale, uh, like, like men becoming feminized, things like that, which is part of this talk, um, women, too, are, are getting all these cancers uh, from the womb, even young women. And uh, that's happens. all these things are happening suddenly. We know the endocrine disruptors have gone for the male and the female because of the, the xenoestrogens and, and the, the phthalates that they put into, the, uh, into your food even. It's in cosmetics for women. And there's no doubt if they use cos- these cosmetics between the 8th, and 12th month of pregnancy, if it's a male child, he won't be quite um, Herculean, put it that way. Uh, and he might even be sterile when he's born. They've known this since the 18, late 1800s, if you, if you don't know that. So womb cancer deaths are rising, it says. The number of women dying from cancer, the womb known as uterine cancer, has increased by nearly 18% in the past 10 years. According to the charity Cancer Research UK, it's just, it shows that most cases are now being diagnosed. Well, women are living longer after a diagnosis. The total number of deaths has also increased. It's been urged uh, that rise levels of obesity were behind the rise. That's one. They always try to sway off into one or the other. There's always, you know, out, out there in the world, there's always been a, a certain percentage of obese women. There's a lot more now, but, but you know, uh, they don't have to get cancer either. So that's not the reason. 
and it says for the from the 1970s to 1996, instances of women uh, womb cancer stayed roughly the same at about 13.7 cases for every 100,000 women in the UK. Now, before the 1970s, from the 50s, it was about half of that. So it's coming in stages of jumps. Yeah. It's interesting too that doctors going to get trained and in whenever, whatever class comes out, they're, they're given a new statistic. Which, and they're not told about the old statistics like they used to do, but they're, they're, t- they're given the new statistic thinking it's all normal. So it now stands at 19.6 per 100,000, which is a 43% increase. Survival rates have improved with 77% of women now living at least five years after treatment. And it's really awful. The treatment is awful. There's no doubt about it. And, then you, and if you live five years in one day, they put you down as a success story. No kidding. However, deaths have gone up. So uh, I'll be back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix and every country has its big exercises with its military and unfortunately in Britain they tend to go up to Scotland to, to do their, their work or around the sea areas or, or on the mountains there too. It's, it's unfortunate sometimes when you're hiking in the mountains up in the highlands there and you'd see these jets screaming down and, and bombing the tops of the mountains, that was their practices. And... Uh, that's what you get for being a colony. But this is a Joint Warrior 121 submarine mine warfare and live firing activity. Joint Warrior, they love these things for little boys like that. Warrior, I'm a warrior. It will take place from 15th until 26th of April 2012 and will comprise of a program of exercises conducted by land forces, warships, submarines and aircraft across the UK with a maritime element focused on the offshore and coastal waters to the northeast, north and northwest of Scotland. The booklet provides an outline of information on their scheduled operations as well as details of intended gunnery and aircraft bombing activity at Cape Wrath and in some other open uh, sea areas, I guess. It says, if information is correct at the time of going to print, better be right, <laughs> better be right. Imagine putting one out and everybody goes to a different place and gets bombed, eh? But the routine sub-facts and gun facts broadcast made during the exercise will provide updated information. Information provided in this book will also be published in Fleet Ops Notice to Fishermen Defence Training Estate Scotland Notice to Fishermen and Cape Wrath Range Notices. The document is also on the internet, yada, yada, yada. And... It tells you about the submarine activity, warship activity. So Mason's is a country that's bankrupt many times over, apparently. But they always have, you know, money to waste doing these activities like this, see. Maybe the Eskimos are going to invade them, I don't know. Mine warfare activity, live firing gunnery, uh, denial of GPS services. Interesting, eh? Unexploded ordnance advice. And the warships taking part have been instructed to offer fishing vessels every assistance in their dealings with exercise activity, especially when in the vicinity of submarines or participating uh, or participants conducting live fire. It's just not safe to be anywhere anymore, is it? Here you are doing some fishing, and these rounds go off over your head, butter, 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 and uh, then the guy, you know, yeah, yeah, yo, yo, yes, come in here, come in here, and you row your little boat into them, or they'll sink you. But I'll put this up for anybody who's interested in this kind of stuff because it goes on. It's quite a long one. And um, 
And it's quite a big operation. It's going to cost taxpayers more, which is, of course, happy for the the bankers because the bankers make money off interest, off loans. And, and that's really how it is, isn't it? And another one I want to talk about tonight, too, is put up for you. These are PDFs, by the way. Um, is to do with... Uh, the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations. These are the guys who harp on to help women they want to sterilize them all, you know, and give them abortions across the planet to bring down the populations. And um, it's to help women. It's all to help women. They're really concerned about women. And they fall for this stuff, too. A lot of them fall for it. This Commission on Population, it used to be called just the Department of Population. It meant, and they called it control amongst themselves. Now they call it population and development, you see. So I'll put this link up. It's 23rd to 27th of April, and it's monitoring of population programs focusing on adolescents and youth, and it's a report from the Secretary General. Funny how they have military terms for the whole of the United Nations. Eh? But um, it tells you here that this uh, article, um, it's a 45th session. The report provides an overview of the development issues related to young people's sexual and reproductive health. They're really interested in young people. They're a bunch of pervs, actually. With particular emphasis on the needs of girls and young women. That means sterilization and abortion, you see. It reviews actions by governments, the non-governmental organizations that all work for the Rockefeller Foundation, Ford Foundation, Carnegie Foundation, and many, many more, and the United Nations Population Fund and its partners that create a supportive environment for young people as they make the transition to adulthood. Invest in young people promotes their rights and gender equality. Uh, I I can do what I want with my body. And and along they come and you snip them (laughs) and they can't have a child again. eh? Provide access to sexual and reproductive health information and services and encourage their education and social integration. Understand we're paying for this across the whole world. We have been since Kissinger put out his um, particular bill or whatever it was uh, in the 1970s. He said the biggest threat to the, to the, the welfare of the state was uh, overpopulation. It's primarily in the third world. Not totally, but primarily. But it didn't leave out the, the U.S. itself. I'll put this one up for those that want to read it. They're still ongoing, as always. It's all your tax. Now, you wonder why you're, you're heavily taxed. And in the U.S., they don't know what tax is, believe you me. If you were to compare it with Britain and Canada and the general sales tax and the value-added tax and all the other taxes... You, just, you don't know what it is, but you will. With free trade, you've got to bring in value-added tax because the, the, the government will lose all the money they used to get off importing stuff. There's always a tax on imports. So you have to make the difference, you see. We've all done it here in Canada uh, and elsewhere. And Australia's going through it now. They're getting hammered. And um, this one is interesting, too. It's an, another PDF It's some... Um, F-A-O and, and the W-H-O, that's a farmers organization they have at the United Nations and the World Health Organization experts meeting on the application of nanotechnologies in the food and agriculture sectors. Now, they've been at this for, for years. I've got previous ones where they have put this nano stuff into your food. This is from the top boys themselves. No speculation here. And it's potential food safety and implications. And it's got the meeting report at it and a whole bunch of titles, and you can go through it for yourself. That's, yep, you've got nanotechnology in your foot. Back with more after this.
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix talking about this nano and tech conference to do with your food. It's also cosmetics, by the way, because I always target the woman. And um, they want them sterile, you understand. But it says, the meeting identified two case studies, Appendix 5, beta-cyclodextrin, a substance that meets the definition of an engineered organic nanomaterial, was developed as a carrier for single molecules such as vitamins. That's, that's the upside to make you throw you off. They want to make you healthy. Or flavorings. These are artificial flavorings, you see more than 20 years ago, like MSG type of thing that goes right through your tissue into your, deep down into the, where the nerves are. And it says, um, and has been evaluated as a food additive and ingredient by several scientific bodies. So science says it's okay to put all these, these chemicals that shouldn't belong in your body, in your body. And it, it mentions all the different ones that participate in this. And um, now they're putting zinc oxide into uh, food packaging too for an antimicrobial uh, result, you see and risk assessments and hazard identification. But it mentions, though, they're putting all that stuff into, as I say, women's, women's cosmetics. What did I say earlier about the bisphenol and so on and how uh, it goes through the skin in a pregnant woman and it affects the fetus too, especially if it's a male. And um, but this is this is going a step further to make it more efficient, I guess. So it's a long PDF. You should have go through it and... Uh, this is already in your food, all this stuff here, uh, but they've got a lot more stuff they haven't mentioned yet. But I've got stuff, I've been watching this for the last few years, and the big corporations are involved in nanotechnology for your food. And no doubt it'll pa- pass the blood-brain barrier and all the rest of it, and uh, make you very compliant in other ways as well. But for those who can handle it, have a, a deco at it, and save it for later use. And because that is the world we're living in. It's quite something else, isn't it? It's not pleasant. Another one, too, is uh, I mentioned before, and I put up the, the, the link to the guy who sells the O Canada. The o Canada, it's a DVD. Where he, he talks to different politicians and ex-prime ministers all about money and what the Bank of Canada was at one time and what it is today. And uh, you even have uh, Prime Minister Martin on uh, mentioning that uh, debt's good for the country. No, yeah, massive debt is good for the country. He asked him why, and of course Martin couldn't articulate it very well. Articulate it very well. So, who changed the Bank of Canada's policies in 1974 and why is uh, another uh, article with a couple of videos embedded in it too that uh, goes through what's happening today with the Bank of Canada and the people who are trying to get it back in the hands of the people. See, Canada had no debt at all at one time until they put in Pierre Trudeau, who was a communist. And Pierre Trudeau uh, also was backed heavily by a particular group, uh, like all politicians are. And uh, part of the deal was to privatize the Bank of Canada. And uh, uh, that's what they did. And before, I think, before he, his term was up, before he, they eventually kicked him out, Canada was, had owed, owed about $80 million. That was a, uh, but they had no debt before that, you understand. Canada came out of World War II. And what debt it had was paid off in the first year. It was the only company that did that because the, the, the government actually ran the bank and they spent it into society by the projects for, for gas lines and different things and roads and all the rest of it. Didn't borrow a cent. 
It's the only one that wasn't flattened by the Great Depression in the 20s, 30s. Till Trudeau came along and the big boys, because again, remember what Carol quickly said, they had to get a central private bank in every country under, under the, the auspices of the Bank for International Settlements to get this world agenda through. And that's how they did it. But I'll put this link up and it goes through some of the history here and, um, and a couple of videos to see what people are trying to do today to, to, to get it back. Because it's, it's lethal. A, a private central bank is lethal. It's not there to serve the, the people at all. Nothing to do with serving people. Now, Agent Orange has come, I made mean, a comeback. As I said, I mentioned a couple of nights ago or maybe last night that Agent Orange was back, uh, being sprayed again and uh, by the same companies, by Monsanto and Dow Chemical. And I mentioned a few years ago that, I think it was in the late 70s, they stopped using it in Canada. We were using it all that time, but we didn't know. People didn't know. And all the military towns, you see, that were exempt from every other law. So they, they were spraying it to keep down the herbicides so they can go and bomb each other on the battlefields and stuff. And um, But they also sprayed all around the perimeters, which went over the towns that always build up around army bases. And uh, lots of people have come down with the cancers and the same symptoms of Agent Orange. The immune system is destroyed. This is an article, a later one, this is from 4th April. A cancer-causing herbicide dubbed Agent Orange was sprayed by the B.C. British Columbian government during the 60s and, and documents obtained here by the CTV News. Shows tens of thousands of gallons of the toxic mixture applied to clear brush near highways and along power as, uh, uh, as early as 1970s. Actually, it was 78 the stop spraying, I think, uh, the military. But this was amongst the civilian population. And in some cases, the substance was sprayed next to homes. There's a real strong smell, and it really is, if you've ever smelt it. You couldn't get away from that smell. We smelt that for a year straight in our house. This is somebody talking about it, of course. And um, and he says, uh, recalled former Cherryville resident Larry Heal, who remembers a BC Hydro, that's electric company's, crew spraying a pungent chemical along the high-voltage power lines next to his family's home. All that stuff went into the creek, so we drank it. All that stuff got in the cow, we drank the milk. Our cows were washed in it, our dishes were washed in it, you recalled. We don't, we didn't know what it was. See, you take it for granted, well, that stuff's banned, you know, and uh, so, so it doesn't even enter your head that that's what they're using. That's how simple we think, you know. We believe the guys at the top. We're, we are very, very simple people. And that's what, how the elite have trained us to be, to believe what they say. Oh, they'd never do that to you. And then they put poisons in your food. Oh, they'd never do that to you. You know. Or they inject nasty stuff into the vaccines that do nasty things, destroy your endocrine system, and possibly make you sterile. Oh, they'd never do that to you. Yep. Heal says more than three decades later, his sister has died of uh, adrenal cancer, and he has contracted a yet-to-be-explained problem with his nervous system. I feel disgusted. I, feel, I fought pain all my life, and I never knew why. He said, adding, he hopes the government will probe the use of the chemicals and compensate those affected. Well, the, the government's here. If they ever take it to court, they wait until everybody's died off before they have the, the case. And there's maybe one left, and it gives them a paltry sum. They're not stupid at the top. That's what happened with the hemophiliacs in Canada after Bill Clinton and others, and uh, signed a deal to take the, you know, the contaminated blood from prisoners in the U.S. prisons. And uh, and so a lot of it was, was shipped up to Canada, and um, one major company bought it here, 
and they also use it for blood products, for, for hemophiliacs, etc. And uh, it wipes out the, almost the whole population in Canada. But if you tie that into what Bertrand Russell said, tie it into what's happening today when Obama's talked about the cost of keeping the sick alive, etc. Think about that. You should think about that. You should really start thinking in that way, you see. Oh, they never do that. And then what they did too was shipped a whole bunch over to, to France and did the same thing. But the French really got onto it and, and sued them differently with a different system there, and the Napoleonic Code of Law. They could, they could sue them right away. In 1970, a study showed that dioxin-tainted 245T caused birth defects in laboratory animals. After that, the U.S. military stopped using Agent Orange in Vietnam. According to the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, some 50 diseases and medical conditions are associated with exposure to the chemical. While 24D is still used today, 245T use is major health hazard because it was contaminated with dioxin, according to Agent Orange expert Wayne Dwayne Winchuk. Says dioxin is a potent carcinogen that can lead to a number of health problems, including cancer and neurological diseases, and is banned in Canada today, Dwenchuk said. Uh, if they use 245T through British Columbia, they were spreading dioxin, there's no doubt in my mind, he said. I think the biggest concern is for those who were employed by the government to apply the herbicide. Actually, I'd, I think you should have more thinking about the guys that are underneath it. In BC, the mix of 2,4-D and 2,4-5-T was called type B weed and brush killer in government invoices. Sometimes the engineers ordered 2,4-5-T by itself and dubbed it type C weed and brush killer. In total, about 26,000 gallons of type B weed and brush killer were ordered between 1965 and 1972. About 10,000 gallons of type C weed and brush killer were ordered in the same period. Uh, the barrels were shipped to all four of the regions of BC as designated by the Ministry of Highways, Kamloops, Nelson, Prince George and Vancouver. So, you understand, they, they never give up. Whatever's the cheapest way to do something, they do. Do you know that um, since they privatized and sold off uh, the, the, what was called Ontario Hydro, uh, Morris Strong did that, by the way. He was brought in from the, the United Nations to sit on the board of Hydro and do it all. And they gave it to this power corp, they call it, it's a private company. Uh, they don't come around anymore and trim the, the, the branches around the, the electric lines. They just come along with this machine and it's a swath of this darkish, licorice looking stuff uh, comes out of it. And uh, it kills everything off, trees and all. I mean, it kills everything off around it. Nothing grows on it at all for about three or four years, maybe longer. Because you see, for them, it's the cheapest way to do it, rather than hard guys and, and clip the branches like they're supposed to do. But, uh, yeah, we're getting poisoned because, you see, it's all economics, you see. Understand, when they even put a, a nuclear uh, reactor into an area, they do a, te- a survey of the area. They've got all your DNA and everything else, your whole medical system. Everybody's medical records are gone into. They know what you're prone to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they do these surveys, and then they test it out and run it through their computers. And they, they, they do an estimate of, of death. It was a, 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 they call it some... An acceptable death rate. What will the acceptable death rate be from from being near nuclear plants? And they work it out pretty accurately too, by the way. Right down to how many young people will have brain cancers and things like that. I know that because I talked to the, the main engineer at uh, Pickering uh, Nuclear Plant some years back. Yep, that, that acceptable death rate 
according to the economics of the project. One outweighs the other. Life is cheap, you understand, especially if you're low down in totem pole. Now, are boys turning into girls because of synthetic chemicals? This is a case of accelerated puberty in young girls and the transgender phenomenon are occurring with increasing frequency. Recently, we're seeing accelerated puberty in young girls. And that's not recent. That's been going on since the 60, early 60s, actually. There's lots of programs on television all through the 60s and 70s to do with the accelerated puberty of young girls. And it started first in America, and it actually started where uh, it was Monsanto had a plant down in, in the southern states, and they used particular stuff. They claimed it was a cleaner for their pipes It was that pumped their wastewater into a creek that all these people were drinking from. And young girls at that time were, were, were having uh, periods by the time they were eight or seven. So you got to understand, if you don't know your history, you, you'll get a bit of, a, of something from an article, but it can also mislead you too. And this is all deliberate. They, they, met, they, they were sued for this, and, and, and they won, because they, they were putting these, these hormonal chemicals into the system, and obviously studying the people. So it says here, endocrinologists have found out that endocrine disruptors found on common synthetic chemicals like DES, dioxin, PCBs, DDT, plasticizers, and in many more chemicals we use daily, which are responsible for these unusual phenomena. You know, they're, just, they're just finding out now, eh? Endocrine disruptors get locked into your fatty tissues and cannot be excreted out of your body. Because they're insoluble in water, they accumulate within us during our entire lifetime. Endocrine disruptors disturb the endocrine glands that release hormones into the bloodstream to control various organs of the body. The endocrine glands include the pituitary, the thyroid, adrenal, thymus, pancreas, ovaries, and testicles. Developing fetuses and infants are more vulnerable to endocrine disruption. In the 50s and 60s, doctors prescribed a synthetic estrogen called diethylstilbestrol, it was called, to pregnant women to prevent miscarriages, which was later found to contain endocrine disruptors. Over 5 million women were affected by the drug. Miscarriages were caused, spontaneous abortions, premature births, birth defects of the uterus, ovaries, immune system defects, undescended testicles in males, malformed sperm in boys, chronic, uh, chronic depression and other psychiatric disorders were reported. Use of estrogen has caused breast cancer in some women. A study done in, in, in the Potomac River in 2000 found 80% of the male fish collected had become uh, feminized and their sex organs were not producing sperm. Uh, scientists suspect that pollution in the river must have had something to do with it. They proved that the large pesticide spill in Lake Apopka, Florida, was responsible for declining alligator populations. Investigations revealed endocrine disruptors in bodies and eggs of alligators. And a study they did in Britain and that Horizon did a very, very good documentary uh, about 1992 that showed you that the males were pretty well all sterile, young men, young men, uh, or, or they had deformed sperm with two heads, two tails, etc. They've always known this. But here the, the governments are still saying, oh, no, we're still going to let plastics be used for containing water. And so, oh, no, our experts say differently. Yeah, Our experts, you know, the guys that get millions a year. So it says... um. By the way, the one in Britain, they found out it was all from, from the, the wastewater from uh, the population, the, the towns and so on. All the, the chemicals, mainly, mainly the ones that the women were using. It was in everything. Your soaps and everything. Shampoos. Conditioners, everything. This stuff was in. Just a coincidence that it was in all, all that stuff. Eh? 
and it would affect the, 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 the fetus. Plastic bottles commonly used to store water and beverages contain substances known as the phthalates, which is considered to be a potent endocrine disruptor. The chemicals can leach into the beverage, particularly when the bottle is subjected to heat or when the beverage is acidic. It doesn't really have to be exposed to heat. It's soft plastic. It's always given off molecules to pretty well anything, by the way. Plus, the plastics now are meant, if you've noticed, to be biodegradable. When do you think that biodegradable ability starts? It's already happening when you buy the thing. Uh, it says vinclozolin, uh, fungicide used on fruit, uh, block testosterone and s- uh, signals in males, testosterone signals. Animals exposed to bisphenol A and other phthalates have become hyper and agitated. The endocrine disruptor could irreversibly retard brain development. It's a great weapon, isn't it? And there are two, th- these synthetic ones, these disruptors, will, it's almost like a key in a lock system. That's how they always explain it in medicine. And uh, where where you have the lock, and, and this, this thing comes along as the key, your, your natural hormones are secreted from all these different glands. All the, all the endocrine glands secrete hormones of different kinds, different purposes. And so here's a mimicker, these fake ones. They mimic the, the, the original. But once they lock on to the lock, they stay there. They don't break down. They stay there. They can stay there for years and years. And the act of switches turning something on or off. And they can turn things, something off for years. Maybe forever. Anyway, it says, with a little government control over chemical manufacturers, uh, they give you a list of precautions to save the next generation. I don't know if you can save them. I really think it's gone too far. And if you do, they'll give you more vaccines and do it that way. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix and talking about the, what the big boys have been doing all our lives actually and, and before you were born to other generations. But and they have a world agenda, you see, and they have a, a, a particular number of people they want to live on the planet, uh, on their planet, sorry. And um, uh, here's Monsanto. Monsanto obviously uh, is backed by this super silent government. It's quiet. It's a quiet government at the top because... Every country they've been into, they've pretty well been given a free range to, to, you know, have their stuff scattered across everybody's field, doesn't matter if they're planting their GMO or not, and then going along and suing them and, and getting them, and literally confiscating their property and winning it the whole lot. Every judge in Canada was on their side. And then the judges actually said, I don't care if a bird pooped it there or if it blew with the wind or whatever it says, if it's on your land, then you're, you're the guilty party. You see, and um, and that was the High Court too. The High Court. Anyway, Monsanto threatens to sue Vermont if legislators pass a bill requiring GMO food to be labelled. See, they're so powerful, eh? They don't they don't want the silly little idiots. That's us. We're the silly little idiots to know what we're eating. Do they? You should be very very worried about it. If if this kind of company with its record of poisoning people doesn't want you to know what you're eating. Remember, they were part of the, the, the Dow Chemical Company that made all the poisons for warfare. Uh, it says here, despite overwhelming public support and support from a clear majority of Vermont's agricultural committee, 
Vermont legislators are dragging their feet on a proposed GMO labeling bill. Why? Because Monsanto has threatened to sue the state if the bill passes. The popular legislative bill requiring mandatory labels on genetically engineered food, H-722 is a bill, is languishing in the Vermont House of Agriculture Committee with only four weeks left until the legislature adjourns for the year. Despite thousands of emails and calls from constituents who overwhelmingly support mandatory labelling, despite the fact that a majority, 65, of agricultural committee members support passage of the measure, Vermont legislators are holding up the labelling bill and refusing to take a vote. Because why? Because they get all the cash in when they run for office from these characters or guys in league with them. That's the corruption that we really live in. Instead, they're calling for more public hearings on April 12th in the apparent hope that they can run out the clock until the legislative session ends in early May. What happened to the formerly staunch legislative champions of Vermont's Right to Know Bill? They lost their nerve and abandoned their principles after Monsanto representative recently threatened a public official that the biotech giant would sue Vermont if they dared pass the bill. Several legislators have rather unconvincingly argued that the Vermont public has a low appetite for any bills and even very popular bills like this one, and that might end up in court. Others expressed concern about Vermont being the first state to pass a mandatory GMO labeling bill and then having to go it alone against Monsanto in court. When it really comes down to this, elected officials are abandoning the public interest. When, when, when is that new, eh? And public in the face of corporate intimidation. Well, it's their big paymasters at the top. They get different pays, you know, not just from the public. And, and that's just the way it is, folks. You know, you should really always wake up to the way it really, really is. Really is. Always, when people promise you things, and they've got a record of being crooks for centuries. You should th- think about it. And think who really puts them into office. It's not you. And since when does the ordinary person run for office? You can't afford to. You need millions. Sometimes billions. They're owned. Lock, stock and barrel. Anyway, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.